Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. So we have um, an amazing opportunity today to hear from one of our missionaries that we've been supporting for a very long time. I think he said the last time he's been here was, what, three years ago? So um, Steve and Kim Wida, they have been in China and serving in Asia, and they've got some just great initiatives with the Live Dead um, ministry happening here. So if you would please uh, give them a life assembly welcome and welcome Steve up here, please. Anybody speak Chinese? Anybody? A little Chinese? A little. Well, I just said good morning, and I'm extremely happy to be with you worshiping Jesus, and I really am. Um, it's my pleasure to return. As, as Pastor Dale said, your church has supported us for probably 25 years, and so probably... On the, on the top of my list this morning is just to simply say thank you um, for your prayers and for your giving all these years. I know it's not just us. I know that you give to many, many missionaries around the world. You've given to many projects. And I just want to say thank you. Um, without your support, without your prayers, we couldn't do what we do. So we're so thankful. And I just want to say to, to Jane and Pastor Dale, thank you especially I don't know if you realize this, but pastors, they're like superheroes. Like, true, like you guys should be clapping loudly when I say that. Like, really? Um, lots of people pat, pat missionaries on the back, and I think because they're afraid to make the sacrifice that we make, but we don't even see it as a sacrifice because we love to do it. But I would never want to be a pastor because of what they do. They come, they live among you, with you. They take care of all your needs. They invest in this community. And then on top of all that, which if that isn't enough, on top of all that, they take on the world. And that just blesses me, and I know it blesses the kingdom of God. I brought a little gift for you guys. Um, this is the character for love in Chinese, and it's the verse in John that says, we love because he first loved us. I just want to give that to you guys and thank you. Just When you see that, just know that the whitest love you guys. And I want you to know, you know, they ask you to all the time to pray for missionaries. We pray for you. We pray for your church. We pray for you. My wife and I spend time on Saturdays just going through everyone who supports us and praying for you. And, and when I met these guys a few years back and heard they were coming here, I was like, wow, that church is so blessed. Like, these two are amazing. You, got, you guys got the cream of the crop. Did you know that? Yeah. Um, it's true. It's really true. So I brought a picture of my beautiful wife, Kim. How many of you know, some of you here know my wife, Kim, right? In fact, when Jana got up, I thought, there's my wife, Kim. They're, 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 they're sisters at heart. Um, just my wife's outgoing, and she, yeah, she just loves people. I just love watching you love people, um, just like my wife. My wife uh, would be here with me this morning, but she's in Kentucky. Um, but she sends her love, and again, her appreciation. And for those of you who know her, especially hugs. Um, we're celebrating, in two weeks, 29 years of marriage. Like, isn't that awesome? 
And I brought a picture of my family, our family. We share two daughters, my wife and I. Our oldest, Amaria, some of you prayed for her um, when she was younger. She battled cancer. She's now married. Um, she survived those teenage years. I let her live. Parent, only the parents who know who've had teenagers are laughing. Um, I let her live, and she lived, and now she's married, and she gave us a granddaughter. I'm so glad I let her live. You know, they say that grandchildren are the gift that your children give to you for letting them live, right? Yep, they're the gift. So we have a seven-year-old uh, Ellie granddaughter, and uh, our second daughter, Mia, is 16. Um, she is a teenager. She's still living at this point. We'll check on me next week. We'll see if she's still alive. Um, and having lived in China all these years, there's so many things I could tell you. You know, just... So many things I could tell you about their history. I could tell you about their culture. I could tell you about their food. In fact, the last time any of you remember about the bees, all the bees that we eat in China? You remember that? Yeah? Anyway. I could tell you about a lot of things in China, but I wanted to tell you about driving. How many of you have been to a foreign country and you know that usually driving in another country has nothing to do with American customs the way we drive here? So um, China's interesting and it's challenging. In fact, I'll never forget one day... Um, I was driving my Speed the Light Jeep. You guys raise money for Speed the Light, right? Yeah, thank you. Um, I've had three now, thank you. I know that you contributed to all three of those. I was driving my Speed the Light Jeep, and as normal, I was complaining. How many of you complain when you drive? I was complaining, and I said something like this. You stupid Chinese drivers, when are you going to learn how to drive? I said something like that. I probably didn't call them stupid, but I, I could have. And my daughter, my adopted daughter in the back seat, she was about three or four years old, she said, Dad, I'm Chinese. <laughs> Oops, true story. So, in 1999, I got my driver's license, and I had to answer 100 questions in Chinese. So, I brought a sampling of some of those questions along. There's seven questions, so you can all take the test, and if you get all seven right, you would qualify to drive in China along with me, right? So if you want to keep track and see if you get these right, you let me know, and I'll let you know if you get to drive in China. So the first question goes like this. When driving a vehicle in summer, the driver should A, wear slippers, B, is not allowed to wear slippers for wearing slippers is neither polite nor safe, or C, can wear any shoes as he or she likes, A, B, or C. It is B, my friends. It is B. Number two, just don't forget to wear your slippers next time you drive. Um, number two, during his or her driving, the driver can A, smoke, B, can smoke in small amounts when he or she feels spiritually fatigued, or C, is not allowed to smoke. A, B, or C? It's C, my friends. Number three, when driving and one, who's still in the race? Who's still, who's still, okay. Oh, only a few of you. Wow. Um, number three, when driving and wanting to spit, the driver can A, spit to the road through the window of the vehicle. B, spit to the waste paper taken with him and stop to throw it onto the dustbin. Or C, spit to the carpeting. A, B, or C? It's B, my friends. Don't forget to take the paper with you. 
Number four, if there is an open wound in the way, such as intestine coming out, you should, now they don't tell you this, but this is in case you're in an accident, right? You should A, restore it, B, not treat it, or C, use a bowl or pot to cover it and dress it with cloth strips externally. A, B, or C? It's C, my friends. Number five, when having a dispute with others, a driver should A, fling abuses, B, patiently offer an explanation and not bring any negative mood to driving, C, drive in a fit of peak. Don't ask me what peak means. A, B, or C? It's B. Number six, if there's a bicycle rider clinging to the motor vehicle, has that ever happened to you before? I've seen that happen in China, believe it or not. The motor vehicle driver then should A, speed up to get rid of him or her. B, stop at once, or C, stop steadily? C. Number seven, when driving through the concave transverse road, I cannot translate that for you, friends, the driver should shift to the lower gear in advance while relying on the inertia force, A, letting two front wheels steadily fall onto the bottom of the ditch, then speed up and drive up the ditch, or B, swaying and steering wheel leftward and rightward, drive down and up the ditch and then speed to drive. Or C, drive down and up the ditch and then speed up to drive. C, did anybody pass? No one passed. Okay, you're going to have to bring a lot of money for buses and taxis when you come visit us in China. Okay, uh, 1980. How many of you were alive in 1980? Disco, all that stuff, 1980. 1980, I was a senior in high school. I was 18, and I was lost. In fact, I brought that picture. That was taken in 1979 in September. Uh, it was my senior picture, and three of my friends, we knew we were getting our senior picture taken that day, so we drank and we smoked pot all day so that our eyes could be as red as possible. I don't know if you can notice but my eyes are pretty red in that picture. I was lost at 18. The only plan I had for my life was to graduate and to keep selling drugs and party as much as I possibly could. A friend invited me to an Assembly of God church that summer. Thank God. Invited me to church, and God called me to step out from the third row and come forward and lay down my dark, broken soul, my aching heart, and to allow his light to come into my life. And I did that. I was lost, but that day, the light of Jesus came and changed my life. Now, some of you have similar stories to this, and you were very lost like me, and you remember the day you got saved. I'll never forget it. I remember leaving that day, and every day after that, food tasted better. Do you remember that? Food tasted better after being saved, after being redeemed. I remember colors were brighter. I just remember life being so different and so wonderful. I remember my heart for the first time beating with real purpose. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? That's what Jesus does. I grew up going to church every Sunday. In fact, I went to church Monday through Friday as well. 
But I remember at 12 years old saying to Jesus, there were so many things going on in my life and I came from a very dysfunctional family and just all of the pressures. I remember saying to Jesus, Jesus, if you don't do something, I'm going to follow everybody else and I'm going to start doing all these things that I know are wrong and it wasn't long that that's what happened to me. And I decided at 12 years old I was giving up Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And um, wow, wow. I was lost. I was lost. And now, because of that, my heart beats for those who are lost. Um, I don't know about you, but I can almost look at a person and tell. Almost look at a person and tell if they're lost. Can you? Today, on this great planet that God created for us to enjoy, there are 7 billion people. Did you know that? That's a lot of people. 7 billion. In fact, in China, there are 1.4 billion people just in China alone. Did you know that? It's the largest populated country in the world. Do you know what the point four stands for? 400 million. That's more than the population of the United States. Add another billion and about half of those people have never heard the name Jesus. Did you know that? So 7 billion people, and on this globe, about 2 billion people claim some relationship to Jesus Christ. 2 billion. They could be Catholic, they could be Protestant, they could be something else, but claim some relationship to Jesus Christ. Now I thought about that. If there were 2 billion people that really love Jesus, this world would be a different place, wouldn't it? This world would be a different place, but it's not, sadly. A billion of those people are Hindus, another billion are Muslim, and two billion claim no relationship to any God. Two billion people sharing this world with us claim no belief in God because there's no church, there's no pastor, there's no Bible, there is no Christian living near them to explain God to them. We call those unreached people groups. Have you heard that term before? UPG, unreached people group. No pastor, no Christian living near them. If they wanted to find God, if they wanted to have the gospel explained, they couldn't find someone to do it. The only way these people are going to hear the gospel and be saved is if someone chooses to go to them. And friends, it's my prayer today that some of you would choose to join me and my wife and go. That's my prayer. That's my one and only prayer today, is that some of you would choose to join us. And if you don't choose to join us, that you would choose. A few of you have come up so, so gracefully and said, we've been praying for you, Steve. We've been praying for your family. Thank you. If you don't go, then please pray then please give so that somebody else can go because there's two billion people that will never, ever hear. Those two billion people are living in darkness. And I'd like you just, as I say that word, I'd like you just to close your eyes. Would you just, everyone, just close your eyes for a minute. I want you to close your eyes and I want you just to think about darkness for just a minute. One day I was sitting in an, a church office. I was, I was a missionary at the time raising money. And so it was late at night. It was 10 o'clock at night and I was typing letters. And I was inside this inner office where there, there were no windows. And the electricity went off and the lights went out. 
Keep your eyes closed. Do you remember a time when you were somewhere and the lights went out unexpectedly and it just became so dark that you, were, you, you didn't know where you were. You didn't know how you were going to get out. It was so dark. I was in that room, and I didn't know where the light switch was. I didn't know where to go. I needed, I, there was another door I needed to get out. It was just so dark. And for a moment, even fear started to creep in, like, oh, because I had heard a report that day of a murder that took place in our city where someone cut the electricity and cut the phone, and then went in the house and murdered. And all of a sudden, fear started, because it was dark, and I was afraid, and I didn't know how I was going to get out of the church, and fear started to creep in. And that's what happens with darkness, right? When we are unexpectedly thrown into darkness, and we don't have light to see, fear can creep in, and all kinds of other things. In fact, in darkness, if you stay in darkness, it's very unhealthy place for human beings. Did you know that? In fact, science itself speaks to the attributes of light and the absolute necessity that we must have it to sustain life on earth. We must have light. Anyone who has dealt with depression here, you know what a gigantic difference it makes to have a sunny day if you deal with depression, right? Light is a powerful Thing and it's a gift from God, and our souls cannot survive without light. In John chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus said this. You, you can open your eyes now. Jesus said this, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Jesus said in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but they will have the light of life. And again in Matthew 5, Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden and neither do we take a light and put it under a basket or under a bowl. No, we stick it on a stand, right? In fact, I love what Eugene Peterson says. Have you ever read Eugene Peterson's The Message Bible? If you haven't, I highly recommend it. He just passed away. He's a prolific writer. I, I recommend all of his books. But he wrote the message, and it's a paraphrase. And I love how he said this same verse. He said, let me tell you why you are here. As believers, we really should know why we're here, but sometimes we forget why we're here. So today, I want to remind you why you're here with the words of Eugene Peterson. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning, to bring out the God flavors of the earth. I love that. You're here to bring out the God flavors of the earth, wherever you go. My wife called me this morning at 7 o'clock, and she said, are you up? Yes, I'm up. Are you ready to go? Yes, I'm ready to go. It's a wife's you know, responsibility to make sure the husband's not going to be late for church. And she went on to tell me, Steve, last night we were at a restaurant and there was a Chinese lady and 
I know Jane is going to just relate to this. And she said, I just started talking with her, and I started speaking Chinese, and she was so happy. She was from China. And she said, oh, Kim, I've never, no one speaks Chinese. And she said, she stood at my table, and we talked for like 30 minutes. And she said, my sister was getting annoyed with me because I was talking to this Chinese lady and wasting our time. And she said, and she said, before I knew it, I agreed to go to dinner with her. And she said, Steve, I'm having dinner with this lady tonight. And I really feel like I'm going to share the gospel with this lady. That's why we live, friends. That's why we live, friends. To bring out the God flavors in the world. Eugene said it this way. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the world. If I make you light bearers, I'm not going to hide you under a bucket. Nope. I'm putting you on a light stand, and it's your job to shine. One of our new roles, um, we've been in China for 27 years, and one of our new roles, because my mother's kind of on her way out of this world, and we've been away for so long, I wanted to be near my mom and dad. So we took on, um, sorry, took on this new role where we could be in China half the time, and here in the States half the time. And so while we're stateside, we are going anywhere where university students gather. And we're trying to inspire this generation to care about God's world. And so we get to hang out with lots of university students. And I was at a Chi Alpha retreat in December. And we had all of our display. In fact, if you could go back and pick up one of these, Priority 31. We've chosen 31 uh, of the UPGs from China. There are 450 unrich people groups in China. Over 200 million people living in China that belong to a UPG. They'll never hear the gospel as someone goes to them. There's 30, we've picked the 31 that, that matter the most to us. And if you'll pray with us one a day, just stick it in your Bible. Pray one, you'll pray all. Anyway, I had all my stuff on the table. And uh, this Chinese kid comes up. There's students everywhere. And I've got a Chinese Bible, you can see it out there, and he, I, I just watched him like a magnet. He grabbed that Bible, and then he, he was reading it, reading it, reading it, and he didn't want to interrupt him. I could, tell it, I could tell God was speaking to him, and he's reading it, and finally he grabbed a chair and sat down and reading and reading, and finally, after about 10 minutes, I finally interrupted him, and I said, hey, my name's Steve, what's your name? He said, oh, my name's Chen Rei. I said, oh, Chen Rei, nice to meet you. He goes, where did, where did you get this book? I said, oh, well, actually, um, our company makes that book. Because with Chinese people, you never know who's a Christian. You never know who's going to report you to the government. You never know. So I didn't really know if this kid was a Christian. So I said, oh, my company makes this book. It's, it's the Fire Bible. You guys are familiar with that, right? The AG makes that. We've, we've distributed probably four million of those, by the way, in China. And he said, I've never seen this book. Where did you get it? I want one. And I said, really? You've... He said, well, someone gave me an English Bible, but I've never seen the Bible in Chinese. He said, you know I'm Chinese. I'm not a Christian. I said, you're not a Christian? I said, so how did you, it, this is Chi Alpha retreat. This is for leaders, right? I said, he said, oh, one of my Chi Alpha friends invited me. And I said, oh, how long have you been living in the States? He said, oh, I just moved here a few months ago. I'm studying my master's degree, and someone invited me, so I just came. And I said, oh. So we ended up going to lunch. This was a year ago in December. So now this next year, this past December, a year later, I meet the same guy. We had lunch and I shared the gospel. I gave him the Bible and he left and we've texted off and on. And so I said, hey, I'm going to the Kansas Chi Alpha retreat. You're going to be there? Yeah, I'm going to be there. He showed up and I watched this kid 
just take notes the whole time. And so we had breakfast before he left, and he had taken all these notes, and I said, Chen Ray, tell me, tell me about your life. It's been a year, and I gave you a Bible. Have you still been studying? Oh, Steve, I study it every day. He said, Steve, I finally have discovered why I was born. I said, what's that? He said, I'm supposed to preach the gospel to Chinese people because, Steve, you know they've never heard. I said, well, I kind of knew that. Chun Ray knows why he was born. Do you know why you were born? Do you know why you were born? That's a good question to answer. I was recently at a meeting in, in Kunming in China, in the southern part of China where we live, and there's an, a biannual meeting where all of us gather and we just share information with each other about UPGs. We're all there for the same reason. There are people translating the Bible for Wycliffe and there are people doing lots of other things and we meet every six months just to share information so we can hopefully accomplish more together. So there's about 30 different groups represented and I'll never forget my friend Chris, he works for Wycliffe, and he said, Steve, you know, um, 10 years ago, where you live in southern China, we surveyed a 10-mile radius right where you live, because there's a bunch of unreached people groups there. We wanted to know how many were there, and he said, we discovered there were um, about 30 new UPGs that we didn't even know existed 10 years ago. And he said, we just resurveyed that same area because we wanted to find out if we missed any. And he said, Steve, we found 15 more unreached people groups we didn't even know existed. And this is what he said that I'll never forget. And he looked at me and he said, Steve, the more we search for UPGs, the more we find. The more we search, the more we find. Who's looking for these people? Who's looking for them? Who's going to reach them? Who's going to take the gospel to them? Who's going to help these people like me who are in dark? Do you remember my story? Like your story? Living in darkness without Jesus, miserable, no hope, no future. Who's going to tell them that there's a better way to live? Who's going to go? One of my favorite, this will date me, one of my favorite musicians is Keith Green. Anybody a Keith Green fan out there? One of my favorite songs he wrote, Do You See? Do you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care? Don't you care? Are you going to let them drown? How can you be so numb not to care if they come? You close your eyes, say amen, and pretend the job's done. The job's not done, friends. There's a world out there, a big world with a lot of people and they're still waiting to hear the gospel. Um, so, trying to decide which stories I need to cut out here. So, um, my wife and I have been living in the southern part of China near the Vietnam border. And we have unreached people groups all around us. And one of the unreached people groups are called the Miao people. There are 8 million Miao people in China. And they're related to the Hmong people. Do you know who the Hmong people are? From Laos, right? 
The Hmong people are part of the Miao people from China. They're actually a group of nomadic tribes that have lived all over Asia. They were concentrated near Beijing many, many centuries ago, but the Chinese have forced them out, and that's what brought them down to Laos. And then because of the war, many of them helped the United States in the past, and now they're living here. But we started working with a Miao village. We heard that there was a village of about three to 400 Miao, and that they were... Um, completely unreached, and they needed help. And so my wife and I went, we went with some government officials, and we said, what can we do? How can we help this village? Because we believe that if you do something, if you do something that they need, and you help them, then they're going to want to hear what you have to say, right? And so the government said, hey, they really need a school. Would you be willing to help us build a school in that village? So we said, absolutely. Yes, we'd love that. And so I went and I visited, and the school was dilapidated. They had, they had about 50 students, and it was in about a 10-foot-wide, maybe 20-foot-long room with all these wooden desks. Half of them were tipped forward, sideways, backwards. The, the, the ground, it was mud. It was made of mud. It was an adobe brick. All the walls were cracked, and it had a thatched roof. And they said, would you build them a school? I said, Absolutely. And so I met with the leaders of the village, and Xiao Wang and her husband Xiao Luo were the leaders of the village, also Communist Party members. And so we met, we had lunch, and I said I would help them build the school. And so I said, all I ask is that the village contributes and that you let me come back whenever I want after we build the school, because we'll bring lots of our friends that will want to meet you and will want to help you with other things. And so they said, absolutely. And th that's my ticket to go back. I can't just go anywhere in China. I have to have a reason under a communist government. So as we were building the school, I would re frequently return and watch the progress and meet with the village leaders, and they would often make me lunch. And one day, Xiao Wang, the, the village wife's leader, said to me, Steve, she said, why did you come here? Why did you pick our village? And I said, well, Xiao Wang, actually, um, I came here because I feel God led me to your village. God wants you to know, Xiao Wang, that Jesus loves you and he loves your village. And she looked at me and she said, you believe in God? I said, yeah. I do. She said, I thought you told me you went to college. I said, oh, I did. She goes, oh, in China, we know if you go to college, you know better. There's no God. I said, oh, Xiao Wang, I can tell you many people who go to college will tell you they believe in God, actually. She said, oh, I've never heard of such a thing. And she said, well, Steve, I just want to thank you because my children will now have a good school. I'm so grateful. So anyway, that was at the beginning of the project. It took several months to build the school. And when the school was built, there was a big party thrown, and they invited me to this big banquet. And so I went, and Xiao Wang had made my wife and I clothes. You see those clothes? She made those. That's Xiao Wang in the green shirt. She made those clothes for my wife and I. My daughters have outfits just like that. And she handed me these gifts, and she said, Steve... Um, this is just my small way to say thank you for what you've done for our kids. And um, she said, I also, Steve, I wrote you a letter, but I'm so embarrassed because my handwriting's terrible. 
but I wrote you a letter, but don't open it till, till you leave because I'm so embarrassed. She said, Steve, I've never had a teacher, and so I'm just embarrassed, so just open it later. So when I left, I pulled over. I couldn't wait to read her letter. I pull over after I get out of the village, and I read her letter, and it basically said, Steve, I want to thank you for coming to my village to build the school. My children will benefit. Our, our village will benefit. And she said, Steve, uh, I've never been to school. I never had a teacher because I grew up poor. We didn't have a school. And she said, now my children will be able to learn to read and write. And I had someone help me write this letter. Um, and so I'm embarrassed if it's bad writing. But I want to ask you one question. Can I call you my teacher? Because you've taught me things no one's ever taught me, Steve. You taught me that there's a God. Do you know what your purpose is? Do you know why you were born? Do you know why you were born? That's really my question to you today. Would you just bow your heads with me? I wanted to share one last story while your heads are bowed. Um, I was watching a documentary several months ago, and it was about a couple who were in a refugee camp in Afghanistan. They had fled from, I don't even remember their country of origin, but it was a horrible war, and they had escaped with their three children and Nazifa, the wife, was pregnant at the time of the interview. And they were asking them to tell their story. And so Nazifa began to tell how they um, had escaped, gotten to this refugee camp, and they had met someone who promised to help their whole family escape this refugee camp for just 3,500 euros, which is about 5,000 U.S. dollars. And it took them almost a year to scrape the money up living in a refugee camp already, and they gave the man the money, and then he said, oh, I can only take one of you. I can't take your whole family. He lied to them, took their money. And so then Nazifa and her husband, Latif, they had to decide which one of them was going to go because they knew if one of them got out, maybe they could get the whole family out. And so the husband finally talked his wife into going because she was pregnant, saying, you know, you're pregnant, you'll have the baby, you'll be able to get citizenship, hopefully, and so you go. And so there was the tearful goodbye. It was all on this documentary. I watched the mother just weep as she had to say goodbye to her children and her husband, and never knowing if they would ever even see each other again. And she got on a bus and she left. And then the next clip is showing her on this on this, uh, I don't even know what it's called, where there's police and the, where they have to cross borders and they're, they're taking people off the bus and she gets caught, basically. She gets caught. And she gets sent back. She gets put back on the bus. And so before she, the bus leaves, there's a phone and she calls her husband and she says, Latif, Latif, I didn't make it through. I'm coming back home. And, and he laughed, and he said, I don't believe you. You're joking. You're not telling the truth. You made it out, didn't you? And she said, no, I'm not. I'm telling you the truth. And he said, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. And she said, no, 
He said, why are you so happy? If, if you got caught, why are you so happy? Why aren't you crying? And she said, because I'm so happy that I'm going to be reunited with you and the kids. I never wanted to leave you. And she was brought back to the camp. And then at the end of the clip, they're interviewing her again, and they're saying, can you tell us how do you feel? Are you ever going to get out of here? What's going on in your mind? And this is what she says. She said this. These were her final words. She says, every day I sit in this camp, and I wait and I hope that somebody will bring me good news. And as I watch that tragic story that's probably repeated millions of times in our world today, as I watch that story, I thought to myself, how many people are waiting to hear the real good news? You know, we in America, we, we can get in a car and drive to a church in any direction and find a church in probably 10 or 15 minutes, if not less. Any direction we go. I live in a country where most cities you can't even find a church. And most cities in China have millions of people. I live in a city that has 10 million people and three churches. Do you know why you were born? You were born to be salt, to bring out the God flavors of this world. You were born to be light, to bring out the God colors of this world. And I don't think you'll ever completely be satisfied with your life unless you're doing that in some way, some, somehow whether that's to your neighbors. Do you pray for your neighbors? I pray for my neighbors all the time. Do you pray for those that you work with? Do you look for opportunities to share the gospel with the people that are taking your money at the cash registers or your waitress? Because really that's what God's, God's called us to be, salt and light wherever we are, whatever we do. You don't have to go to China to be salt and light. But I do believe God's calling some of you to go. To go to some of these places where people are going to die. The people that are living today, unless somebody goes to them, they're going to die. And they're never going to hear the gospel. So I'd like to pray for you before pastor comes. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you are a redeemer. You are a mighty redeemer and you take broken lives like mine, broken lives like many of my friends in this auditorium and you give us a brand new life. You take away the sting and the pain and the hurt of our brokenness and you give us joy and peace and purpose. God, I want to pray for my friends today that as they live, that they would find their purpose, God. If it's to stay right where they're at and keep being salt and light to those around them, God, I pray that you would bless them in that. If it would be to talk to Pastor Dale and Jaina about starting a prayer group for the world, God, I, I pray you would bless them in that. And if it would be some God who would say, Jesus, I want to go. 
I need to go to these people, to these places that have no church, no pastor. God, I, I pray for those today who feel you drawing them, who hear your voice calling them. God, would you help them to respond and to answer to your call? In Jesus' name. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.